involved uh, Dr. Umar Johnson. And in this interview, Dr. Johnson was speaking with some brothers from who did an extraordinary job at a uh, podcast called The Wrap-Up Crew. And what The Wrap-Up Crew was uh, speaking with Umar about was uh, this whole issue of accountability. Accountability is a big word in the Black community. Accountability is a very important word. Accountability is a word that all of us should understand. Accountability <clears throat> is uh, important because we're trying to figure out how to solve the problem, but in the midst of solving the problem, uh, there there comes a, an inherent conversation about who is responsible for solving the problem. Uh, and then even worse, sometimes there's a conversation about who is to blame for the problem. And uh, and, and let me just tell you this, look, you, you guys know I, my background, I'm a mathematician. I was uh, a math professor, at the, not professor, but a math instructor at the University of Kentucky. Professors are people that have PhDs. I did not have my doctorate at the time. And as a person who was an, a math um, uh, instructor at the University of Kentucky, I can tell you that never once did I ever uh, run into a math problem where I was given credit for blaming someone for a problem. Never once was I ever given credit for understanding who was responsible for the problem the only time you get credit is when you actually solve it. And uh, and the thing about solving a problem is that it requires something that the community doesn't always embrace, that all a lot of us don't embrace, a lot of us run from it, which is uh, th that word accountability. Now, as I go in, I want to say hello to everybody. What's up, uh, Just Blaze? What's up, DJ Dax? What's up um, uh, to all y'all that are in here? Be one to you. Shout out the city you're from. Let me know what city you're from. I know you all come from all over the world. And, uh, and I love you and appreciate and respect you. And it's, so, it's such an honor to get a chance to speak with you. And, uh, and so we're talking about this interview Umar did. Umar did this uh, really, again, he did a great job. You know, let me just say this. Umar is one of the best speakers uh, out here. Uh, he's one of the best. He's, he's, he's a smart man. Uh, he, is, um, he and I are not always in alignment. I'm going to go ahead and say that, too, so you don't find out by accident. But he, Umar and I, uh, you know, we've, we've known each other a very long time. We met each other about 10 years ago. Uh, I can't say that it went as well as I would have liked. <laughs> I will just say that uh, Umar probably dislikes me more than I dislike him. I'm going to say that uh, that Umar has uh, he has had an issue with me for a while. Um, but as a man, I can just say to you that I'm less concerned about how people feel than I am concerned about the facts. I'm less concerned about what is going on with the public figures in this space than I am uh, about uh, solving this problem. So I'm going to give credit where it's due, and then I'm also going to uh, critique where I think is necessary. So as I do this, please do me a favor real quick. Hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. And as you know, in the Black Business School, we've helped over 10 million of our people buy their first share of stock. Uh, we've also helped millions of Black families learn how to invest for the first time. And uh, also, speaking more specifically on this topic that was discussed between Umar and the wrap-up crew, uh, we can proudly say that we've helped tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of black boys get on track economically. Uh, and, and that's where, uh, so I'm going to start the conversation where we agree and where we align. Uh, one of the things I liked about this interview, and it's a great interview, I mean, the guys at the wrap-up crew, shout out to y'all because y'all did a good job with this. Um, they, they were talking, you saw black men talking about a really important topic. You saw black men talking about the state of black boys you saw black men talking about the state of the black economy. Uh, you saw black men talking about the state of black children. And it wasn't just your children, right? See, that's the easy thing, right? It's easy to 
say, well, my son is doing good. My daughter is doing good. It's easy to do that. That's that's simple. God, God gave you the ability to do that, to do that. What's harder to do is to go into the more difficult space of saying, you know, is the boy down the street doing OK? You know, it, it's harder to say, hey, how, how's that little girl doing? You know, even though her daddy ain't nowhere to be found, uh, she needs a daddy right now and she needs male protection. Is she getting the protection she needs? That's harder to do. It's, it's easy to say, I took care of my babies. I take care of my babies. How many of y'all? Give me a yes in the chat if you take care of your kids. If you take care of your kids, give me a yes in the chat. All the good parents, put a yes in the chat. Everybody who makes sure that their kids are good, put a yes in the chat. Everybody who makes sure that the, 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 the nieces and nephews and grandkids are good, put a yes in the chat. Give, give me a yes. All the good parents, shout yourselves out because you deserve credit because I can tell you I'm a dance dad. And right now, I, as a dance dad, I sat through four hours of of watching poorly coordinated 12-year-old girls do all these dance routines on the stage. And I did that because uh, because I get to be, I get the privilege, the honor of being the bonus dad of a beautiful child who uh, is extraordinarily talented. And I wanted to make sure she was good. I canceled business meetings to be at her dance event even though I was sitting in the audience, I was hungry, I was sleepy, I had had no coffee, I was grumpy, but I had to be there because that's what daddies do. Shout out to the daddies who are doing that. Shout out to the bonus daddies. Shout out to the bonus mamas. Shout out to all of y'all that love black children. I want to make that, I want to start there, right? So, so it's easy to make sure that your kids are good, right? Now, the question becomes, are we concerned about the kids that are not our responsibility? You know, are, are we looking at this issue from a community standpoint or are we looking at this issue, um, you know, from a, an individual standpoint? Uh, because I'm going to tell you like this, you know, I, I, I hear too much, you know, I listen to some of the Internet chatter. And, uh, and the reason I like this conversation is because it deviated from the internet chatter, which unfortunately can end up sounding quite bitchy at times, where I hear people that will quickly take pride in their own accomplishments, will quickly talk about their own situation, will quickly talk, you know, make sure their kids are good, but just don't give a damn about the state of the black community. Like they'll literally say things that just baffle me, like women, you know, who have who single mothers do not deserve a man that you that if you marry a single mother you're stupid now i understand if a man is not positioned to do that i understand if a man isn't uh ready for that i get that i it's it's hard work right if you're not ready for the hard work then you definitely should not do it but the idea that you're marketing and i the, the fact that you have people that will mass market the idea that children who don't have parents don't deserve love and support that makes you crazy. That makes you as anti-black as a damn Klansman. Let me tell you why that makes you anti-black. Let me explain. Because you might be doing all you can to raise your kids right. You might be doing everything you can to make sure your children are good and that they're intelligent, they're well-fed, they're, they're going to be on their way to, to, to Stanford and doing quite well. But if you don't take responsibility on some level, if we as black men as a collective do not on some level take responsibility for all the lost children that are out here. Oh, one of them lost kids is gonna murder your child. Like seriously, like I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm using that word. I'm being dramatic here. One of those little lost children 
could be the one that gets your child sent to prison or gets your child shot up in the club. See, you think that you can live in a vacuum and be black. You think that you can live on an oasis and be part of a community at the same time. You think that you can say, I'm a black man and not have to live the life of a black man. But let me tell you this. I live in a place called Chicago. Uh, they call it Chirac because of so many black people. So with potential, they get killed every single year. Uh, there are children who come from good families who are well taken care of by their parents who get murdered by some of the children who don't have that same privilege. So one of the things I liked about this conversation and the reason I thought it was great to just see was I like the idea of black men kind of saying, okay, you know, rather than sitting around and bitching and complaining about the problem, let's see if we can actually solve it. And this is important. And this is what I liked about what Umar had to say. And this is why I thought he was worth listening to in this interview for sure. Um, you know, if you think about anything, right? Think about anything. One part of masculinity is competition. You know, as a male, you're in competition from the time you're born. This is all biological. They have something called male competition. You compete. You 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 compete with other men for access to food, um, access to uh, women, access to uh, land, property, whatever, whatever you want. You have to compete for it. Now, if you're trying to play football and you want to win a championship then other teams will never, ever give you a championship. You have to compete for that championship. And the thing about competition is that in the world of competition, and in the, in the most extreme form of competition might be war, where if you lose the competition, you just die. You die, and then they enslave your children and rape your women. Uh, and, and, the, and competition, there's not a lot of room for complaining. You know, in, in competition, there isn't much room for feeling sorry for yourself. Um, in competition, there is a fundamental requirement that at some point you take responsibility for the outcomes, because if you don't, then you're simply going to lose. Uh, you know, and, and when Michael Jordan played in game six of the NBA finals against the Utah Jazz and somebody gave him food poisoning, he could have easily said, well, I would have won a championship, but somebody poisoned my food. So, of course, I can't win a championship because they poisoned my food. But instead, Michael Jordan tapped into his masculinity. He took some medicine, uh, you know, drank some Gatorade, and fought his way through that game and was able to walk away with the championship. And so so ultimately, as, as men, one of the things I want you to hear from this discussion, if you watch this interview, is, is that there, it is extremely important for you to understand the balance as a man between, uh, between stating things as they are versus sounding like a complete bitch. You know, you got to know the difference. There's a difference between saying, you know, legitimately, hey, look, this is this is difficult. This ain't right. This is something we got to deal with. Uh, you know, I, I'm mad about this. You know, I think you can't express your feelings in the right context for sure. But there's a line between doing that and simply saying, I give up. I can't handle this because everyone else has control except for me. So so one of the things I like about the conversation was I like the fact that Umar really challenged these guys to basically say that what's going on with our women is at least partially your responsibility. You know, now, now one, of the one of the things I can't say I would agree with is that it's all our responsibility. And I don't think that's what he was trying to say. It sounded like he was saying that toward the end. But in the very beginning, I listened to the interview, and in the very beginning, Umar said, it, we have to take at least some accountability. But then the conversation <clears throat> almost seemed to shift in a direction where it was, it sounded like it was being implied that we deserve the majority of the blame. 
that's where I think we can get off that bus. And let me explain why. Now, I've been a black man all my life now. Um, I've never decided to join the trans movement. So uh, I've never wanted to uh, remove my body parts or tuck in my penis and or get rid of my testicles because I like being a man. Uh, and one of the things about being a black man is that there is something to be said about those who argue that there is a battle against masculinity in this country. Uh, there is something to be said. In fact, give me a yes. Give me a yes if you've seen any uh, or if you agree with any of uh, the arguments that are being made. Uh, sometimes by people that might be defined as extreme, like uh, the guy Andrew Tate, uh, the late Kevin Samuels, and a few others, uh, Jordan Peterson, and a few others, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, guys like that, who are basically saying that we're kind of going overboard in trying to turn men into women. How many of you feel that masculinity is not valued in this society? Do give me a yes if you feel that there's a consistent effort to label almost every single thing that a masculine male does as being toxic or inappropriate or, oh, you're mansplaining. Give me a yes if you feel that way. I, 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 I'm I, going to go ahead and put a uh, check the yes box because I, I get sick of it, man. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I, I battle it. I battle it uh, on a big stage. I battle it on the small stage. And, uh, and it sucks. It's really unfair. It's incredibly, it's an incredibly unfair backlash uh, against what has been defined, unfortunately, as inappropriate behavior on the part of some men, not all men. There are good men out here. We know this. And lots of men are good. In fact, most if you're a good man, say, say good man in the chat. Shout yourselves out. Most of the men that are in here, most of the men that follow me, most of y'all that I talk to, you're good, solid men. You, you just want to help out. You want to be supportive. You want to do the right thing. And do you ever feel like sometimes you're getting inappropriately labeled and you're, uh, you're inappropriately uh, accused of things you did not do or you're accused of being disrespectful when that was not your intention? That pisses me off. I'm just going to tell you, and I hope ladies are listening. I hope that y'all understand the importance of listening to men. A lot, a lot, there's so many people out here who don't think that they need to listen to a man. And, and that, that just is about the most ridiculous crap in the world. Cause I'm gonna tell you like this, I grew up knowing I had to listen to women. I knew I had to listen to my grandmother. I knew I was supposed to listen to my sister. I knew I was supposed to listen to my wife. I know I'm supposed to listen to my daughters. I know these things. But how many of you know women that just don't think they gotta listen to nobody? That does anybody know that? And ladies, you can you can point them out too. You know what I'm talking about. Cause I know good women get sick of it too. Good women look at women who talk like that and they say, Lord Jesus, would you shut up? Would you let a man talk? Would you let? Would you take in, you know, some other point of view other than your own, and, and, and you know, because they've been, you know, empowered by this imaginary sisterhood of feminism, and and it, and it's really sometimes it gets a little bit overboard, it gets a little bit frustrated, it's very ridiculous, and and so so I get it, I completely get it, and and I think that this is the part of the discussion that these brothers on, on the wrap-up, I think it's called the wrap-up podcast. I should shout them out because they the wrap-up crew because they, they did such a good job. They deserve to be listened to. They, I think these young guys were trying to make that point. I think they were trying to say, look, yeah, I get it that we uh, have you know this responsibility. We're willing to acknowledge that. But but with great responsibility should come a, 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 a proportionate amount of power and authority. And typically, I've heard it the other way around, actually. Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, I say you can also look in the other direction. With great responsibility should come great power. 
And I'm going to tell you this. Here's the thing I want you to understand. I want you all to hear me when I say this. You can disagree. Give me a yes if we can disagree and still love each other. Give me a yes if I can challenge your thinking and we can still be cool. Give me a yes if you can simply write this as a diverse opinion, even if you disagree. But here's the thing. You can't put all that responsibility on the men when you are not willing to give men the power and the authority to implement a vision that is beneficial to the family and to the community. You know, when men step up and say, hey, I'm ready to be a man, I have an opinion. I want to help out. Here's how I'm going to protect the babies. And, and you're telling him to sit down and shut up. And you're talking to him like he's a little boy because you're always used to being the head, the HNIC. You always used to being the, the big testicles on the table. You're always the one used to driving the car. Well, then, shit, then, then what's going to happen is one of two things. One of two things. Either three things, really, really three things, actually, three things. One of three things will happen in that situation. Either he's going to have to heighten his masculinity to the point where he dominates you. He's good because if you approach a man like a dude, a real man is going to respond to you like a dude. Do you hear me? If you approach a man with masculine energy, a masculine man is going to give you masculine energy back. Sure, you might be rough on the outside and gentle, a gentle little teddy bear on the inside, but he ain't going to see that. If you come growling at him, he's going to just growl louder. So that's what that's the first outcome. So he'll either dominate you to the point where he forces you to submit to him, which then makes him predatory and and abusive and all these other words that people use, which is real. Right. There's real abuse out here. Right. So so you feel abused now because he reminded you, look, I'm a man. I got this thing called testosterone in my tank and you you ignite that shit. It's going to be like a forest fire up in my blood. Like I'm going to literally be like nitroglycerin. I'm going to be go off like a nuclear bomb. And then you're going to be afraid of me because you would not listen to me when I was talking to you gently like this, when I was trying to be nice to you, when I was trying to be helpful, when I was trying to simply uh, make a suggestion, you didn't hear me. So now I got to roar. Now I got to show you that I'm a man and, and it's exhausting to constantly have to prove your masculinity to people that somehow think that kindness is a form of weakness. It sucks. It's the dumbest shit in the world. I deal with it. I've been dealing with this my whole life because I run into Negroes in the street who think that because I'm a professor that I'm not a man. I was a man way before I became a professor. I just happened to not just be a man. I just happened to be a really smart man. That's it. But I'm always going to be a man. So don't make me growl because then you start getting your feelings hurt and then you call me abusive. So that's the first thing. That's the first outcome you will get if you approach a man with masculine energy. The second outcome you may get is you're going to get a battle for power. You'll get a power struggle. You'll get a fight. How many of y'all have seen this? How many men, men and women, men and women? Talk, tell me if you've seen this in, in a relationship. It may not even be yours. Have you ever seen a situation where there was just a constant one-upsmanship, constant battle, back and forth, 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 where it's, she's up one, you up one, she's up one, you up one. Anybody ever seen those relationships? Those relationships are very stressful. Those relationships are terrible. Those relationships disrupt your peace. Every, nobody's at peace because you're never at peace when you're at war. You're never going to feel comfortable when you're constantly fighting with the person that you're in the bed with. It sucks. Right. It's, it's a terrible feeling. Uh, that's very. So those relationships tend to end. And then the third possible outcome, and I've seen this happen a lot. Give me a yes if you've seen this, where the man just says, I don't feel like fighting you. I'm not going to keep fighting you because you're not really fighting me. You're not fighting me. You're actually fighting your daddy who left you when you were four. Uh, you're not fighting me. You're fighting your baby daddy 
who got you pregnant and then left you with the kids. That's who you're really fighting. That's who you're mad at. You're not really fighting me. You're fighting them. But because I'm the nice guy who shows up to do the work, to be patient and to work with you and to try to do the right thing, you see me as some sort of convenient, easy target. And then when that sort of power struggle happens, there are a lot of men who simply say, I don't want to be no part of this. I, I'm, I'm out. You, good luck. You go, go, you go, you strong black woman. You handle your bit. You don't need no man. What you need me for? You don't need no man. Go, you strong black woman. You, you go do it, girl. Right? He'll even cheer you on. You go, you so strong. You so strong. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be with other, I'm gonna go mess with some other women. I'll show up every Tuesday for sex and you can handle all the bills. You can take care of all the kids. You can do everything on your own because I'm not sitting around trying to be fighting with you constantly in order to uh, participate in this power struggle. So, so those are the three outcomes. Either he dominates you, uh, you end up fighting you or you have a power struggle. Or he just says, oh, you win. Okay, all right, that's cool. Good luck. All right, I ain't going to get in the way. You know, he, he quietly walks away, right? So so, so this is what this is what I think those guys in that interview were, were alluding to. They were alluding to frustration on everybody's part. I see frustration everywhere. I see men that are pissed because y'all don't listen to men. You think you do, you claim you do, but y'all don't really listen to men. I see men that are pissed that you do have women because we do live in a society where we are fully convinced that women make their own choices. Uh, I see men who are irritated by this idea that you're going to blame me because she chose to sleep with a rapper with eight babies, mamas. You're blaming me. You're blaming. You're really trying to say that's my fault. Uh, th that ain't my fault. I, I wasn't there when that happened. I told her not to date the rapper with eight babies, mamas, and she did it anyway. Cause she thought he was cool. She thought he was fun. She thought he was, she thought that dating a thug would be exciting. And, and all I was was a college student. All I was trying to do was get a degree. I was just trying to be a hardworking black man that, that was going to take care of my family. And But you wanted the bad boy. So now you got kids with a bad boy and you got STDs from a bad boy and you have trauma from a bad boy. And somehow that's my responsibility. I don't buy that mainly because we don't live in a society where women are not allowed to make their own choices. And if a man steps in and says, you know what, we're going to make choices for you. Well, then that is defined as being sexist. That is defined as being politically incorrect. That's defined as being oppressive toward women. So, so, so a lot of men are frustrated because of this. And I hear that frustration. I completely get it. In fact, anybody that has an issue with Kevin Samuels or anybody on that side of the fence, the, the Andrew Tate or whatever, I would encourage you to just ask yourself, why do so many young men gravitate toward that kind of content? Why do so many young men feel that this is the only place they can go and get introduced to masculinity? Uh, maybe there, there's something you can learn from that. You know, and, but, but then at the same time, here's, here's the other side of it. This is why it's very important. This is why I think uh, there was a lot to be said about what Umar was saying about men taking responsibility. Here's the thing, here's the secret about, about masculinity. Um, the thing about masculinity is Nobody really gives you permission to be a man. You know, they, they can make it hard for you. They can fight with you. They can they can create hurdles and obstacles for you. But but true masculinity, true male competition means that you are able to um, move forward with your agenda despite the opposition of others. In fact, when Dr. Claude Anderson, who's a very masculine man who's taken care of his family for the last 60, 70 years, uh, when Dr. Claude Anderson defines poweronomics, the first thing he does is he defines the word power. And what he says about power is that power is the ability to pursue your agenda 
despite the opposition of others. It doesn't say that power is the ability to pursue your agenda with the permission of others. It doesn't say that power is your ability to pursue your agenda with the support of others. It doesn't say power is your ability to pursue your agenda as long as everybody got your back and people are cheering you on. No, power is the ability. Pay attention now. Give me a yes if you're following this. Power is the ability to pursue your agenda despite the opposition of others. So one of the things that I encourage men to do is be very careful about falling into bitch mode where you claim that the world took away your ability to show up as a man. Don't do that. Don't say that it's my mama's fault. It's so-and-so's fault. It's my baby's mama's fault. I get all that, right? I get all that. At the end of the day, part of your masculinity must be heavily driven by some way to take control over the variables that are under your control. Uh, one example to understand power is think about a football game. Never in the history of college football or NFL football has any team ever won a game with the permission and the support of the other team. Never before has the has has a team won a game by asking the other team, hey, you mind if we, we get this touchdown real quick? Y'all don't score the last six. You think you give me one right quick? No, ne that's never happened. And so so one so one of the things that they have tried to do to you, and, and this is what I'm trying to sort of snap you out of this. This is my job now, is is they've convinced you of, of things that simply don't align with masculine thinking. For example, um when you are uh, simply thinking that your liberation as a black man is going to come when the white man decides he's going to be nicer to you, that's not very masculine thinking. It's just not. And and I but I get it because you live in a feminized society. They told you that you're supposed to march and pray and beg and and hope for the best. But masculine thinking says, oh, I'm gonna be free whether you want me to be free or not. Uh, Nat Turner said. Oh, I'm going to be free whether I'm alive or, or I'm dead. You see, see, that's that's masculine thinking where you don't need the permission of anybody in order for you to step into the world as a masculine man. And so so when men are blaming women for every single outcome in the black community, you're basically saying that that really isn't your community. You're basically saying that there are no men in this community. There's no masculinity here because everything that happens here is going to be determined by somebody else. And, 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 and that really is going to cause you to lose all the respect of your women because no woman in her natural biological state can ever be attracted to a male who believes that he can only succeed if he gets the permission of another man. It's very, very hard for her to look at you as any sort of a leader when you're simply following behind somebody else or you're on your knees begging white people to support you or to give you whatever you got you need in order for you to be a father. So, so I would say to you that um, that that this accountability conversation is super important. And and the the thing I liked about Umar's approach to this is to basically say to us as black men, are we doing everything that we can do? Right. That's the that's the issue. Are we doing everything that we can do? I, I remember years ago when Damon Dash went on the Breakfast Club. Damon, you know, I've known Damon for about a decade, and I remember when Damon went and did an interview on the Breakfast Club, and he was challenging black people, especially men, to become entrepreneurs and to build businesses. And one thing that he said was that having a boss is like calling another man daddy. 
And I don't agree with that. I think you can have a boss, and it's not like you're calling him daddy. Not everybody's going to be the boss. And you, you, everybody can't be the boss of everything. But I do believe that there's something to be said about every man wanting to be the boss of something. And I think also that conversation, when I talked to Charlemagne about that conversation the next day, he asked me to come on to that show, The Breakfast Club, to, to, to almost dismantle what Dame has said. And I said, I will not undermine what he said because we need an injection of masculinity because masculinity is critical when you're at war. You cannot win a war without your testosterone. And I said, so, so, the, so it, rather, than, rather than undermining what Dame said and disagreeing with what Dame said, I think maybe we can, uh, we can contextualize what Dame said. Maybe we can take what Dame said and use that as a, a rocket booster for a long-term battle plan where we do move forward and say, what the hell can we do? How much more can we do? How can we work harder? How can we be more strategic? How can we make a better plan? Because here's another thing about your masculinity, the power of divine masculinity and the power of your testosterone, black men. I want you to understand this. It took me a long time to understand this, but I'm going to tell you, hopefully, young guys, you'll get this now. Here's the thing. And, and women, if you're in the chat, I hope you'll confirm this in the chat so the men will know that this is that this is true. If you really show up as a man that is deeply committed to your purpose and you show up as a man that is accountable, responsible, intelligent, skilled, strategic, capable and worthy of leadership. Most people and women are going to submit to that on some level. Am I right or am I right? Seriously, I, I really believe and I, I've just seen this happen when a man shows up and he's really showing up. Most women will really cheer that man on. They will not only uh, allow you to go ahead and take that lead that you want to take, but they'll also support you in a thousand ways because most women naturally gravitate toward a man they identify as the leader or the alpha. They want to be around him because they want to be near the man that is qualified to lead. They want to be around the man that is confident, the man who is secure, the man who knows what the battle plan is, the man who's living in his purpose. They can smell it. They literally can smell it. It's like a pheromone. They pick up on it and they surround that. They want to be around that guy. So, so here's the thing. When I'm talking about taking your leadership, it doesn't really mean you have to go fight with women. You ain't got to go fight like, oh man, I'm the man. I'm the man in the house. You got to, I get all that. But really, if you just show up as the man, then they'll just say, oh, there he is. <laughs> Let me see how I can help him out. <laughs> and then you got to then you have another problem. You got to be careful because some of those women will want to sleep with you and you don't want to do all that because then you end up looking like some of these guys, uh, Zion Williamson and stuff like that, you know, with, with too, too many women problems. But still, though, you really want to understand that when, when a man knows his purpose. And this is why it's important for you to know yourself, know your purpose, build your confidence, set a goal, have a plan, uh, you know, commit to that service to your community. The same way you commit to serving your basketball team or serving your football team. If I want a, my team to win a championship, that means I'm out here, I'm playing hard, I'm working on my skill, I'm diving for loose balls, I'm getting the ball to my teammates, I'm doing what I can to help the team win. When, when, when you start showing up that way, you'll find that really good women will support you. They will really cheer for you. Uh, and, and, and so so ultimately, I think that a lot of cards are in our favor. And this is where I liked Umar's conversation with these guys on the, on the, on the podcast. I, I, I just thought that it's really important to just understand that as men, 
there is a natural advantage that God gave us. Like there are things that women can do that men can never do. Like women can give birth. I mean, Lord Jesus, I can't imagine even doing that. And, the, and on top of giving birth, there's a thousand other things women can do that men simply cannot do. Well, I believe there are a thousand things men can do that women can't do as well. You can try, you can be trans, you can, you know, all that. I, I think I saw a lady, this poor thing, she was uh, she was in the trans community and she had really done all the work to make herself into a guy. And she was saying that she's the new alpha male and all this other stuff. And and unfortunately she looked kind of silly, to be honest with you. It's, it, it was really, it, it, was, it was almost like a joke, and, but I felt bad for her because in her mind, she really said, if I try hard enough, I can be a man. And I don't think at this point that human beings have the ability to replicate the ambition of God. I don't think human beings can really, really create a man the way God can. So God gave you something in your DNA that women don't have, that nobody has. And if you're a black man in America, I believe that we've got something really special that uniquely qualifies us to lead the world in every single category imaginable because no other group of people can say that they've survived the slave dungeons, that they've survived 250 years of the most brutal slavery known to man, that they survived the Middle Passage where half the passengers died, that they survived 100 years of Jim Crow, that we survived another 50 years of mass incarceration. Nobody else can say that except for us. And so as a result, we are uniquely qualified to lead not just our community, but really the world. We will lead the world. At some point, we will lead the world. I see y'all out here. I see you. And I'm not talking about the rappers and the athletes and all that. They, they get their chance to shine because white people will always pay a black man to entertain them. They love that stuff. But, but the black men who are not entertaining nobody, who are handling your business, who are going to law school, who are learning to be plumbers and carpenters, who are starting businesses, who are learning, getting on the Internet, going to YouTube University so you can pick up a new skill. I see you. I see you. And, and that confidence that comes with that. It, 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 the community is rooting for you. And I root for you because I know the secret that the rest of the world does not know. I know the secret. The secret is that you are going to be the group of people that ultimately carries the black community out of the situation that we're in right now. You are going to be, you are the secret sauce. You're, you're the ace in the hole. You are the trump card. You are the, the entertainers. That's the little joker. You're the big joker because once intelligent black people, and be one people, people who put their community first, those of you that are listening, once you get the wealth and power and access that you deserve, you're going to flip this whole thing on its head. This whole thing on its head. In fact, anytime the mainstream America has gotten even a, a taste of the ideas that you all express on this platform, even when the world has gotten like a little drop of it, it has, it has literally rattled the stage. Let me give you an example. Actually, before I give you this example, if you could do me a favor, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This podcast is on Spotify. If you look up Boyce Watkins on Spotify, you'll find it there. Also, I have a new book out called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's an Amazon bestseller. I also have a series called Black American Money, part one, part two, part three. I did that over the last 12 years. Feel free to grab those copies on Amazon. Also, don't forget the All Black National Convention happens in October, October 20th uh, in Atlanta. So if you'd like to join us, you can go to BoyceWatkins.com. I'll put the information there. Or you can go to AllBlackNationalConvention.com. Let me tell you an example. So as I mentioned before, be one people, intelligent black people, all of y'all in here who have that that just almost deadly, powerful, cosmic combination of, of intelligence 
and love for your community and fearlessness. You know, the, the fact that you have these things, you're going to change the world. And I know this because when the world has ever gotten even a tiny peak of what you can do and the ideas that we talk about every day in this space, it has literally disrupted the foundation of everything. Let me give you one example. Before Charlemagne the God did an interview with Joe Biden, Charlemagne sent me a text. And in that text, he said, I'm going to do an interview with Biden. What are some questions you would ask Biden if you were talking to him? And I liked, and this is why I'll always support this brother, because he supports Dr. Claude Anderson. He also is a person that has, at least on some level, tried to use his platform in a way that's beneficial to the community. He uh, supported my effort to get Louis Farrakhan on that platform. He bought on Farrakhan. Everybody else will be scared to interview uh, Farrakhan. I connected him to people like Tariq Nasheed. When Tariq Nasheed went on there, I thought that was great because I knew Tariq would introduce ideas that typically are going to be blocked by mainstream media. That's not even the, 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 the whole gist of it. There's so many other conversations that have happened. I could talk about them now because they happened four or five years ago. I did not talk about them publicly then. But I remember Charlemagne texted me. He said, he said, what would you ask Biden if you were interviewing with him? Because, you know, Biden would never do an interview with somebody like me. And I said, here, I think you should ask him this and this and this and this. And in that interview, you remember that interview. That interview was seen all around the world. Why? Well, because Charlemagne frustrated Joe Biden so much that during the interview, Biden just lost it. He got pissed off. He said, wait, who peed in the Kool-Aid? Who put these ideas in this guy's head? What's going on? He literally, it was almost like a, a like a computer malfunction. It was like a robot just overheat, 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 because they're used to interviewing dumb black people. They're used to talking to distracted uh, celebrities who are so enchained and enslaved by the Hollywood system that they don't have an ounce of freedom to even work with. He's used to talking to yes men from the black community. He didn't understand where are these questions coming from. And that's when he got, that's when you heard the little guy in the background who inter interrupted the interview. That's what they do. You know how the politicians do. When they when they get an interview, they don't want to be in. They, they, the, the little person comes in and he's like, um, excuse me. Oh, oh, Charlemagne, I'm so sorry. We're, we're going to have, we're running out of time. And he's trying to interview the interview, interview, interrupt the interview. And then Biden says, he jumps out and just says, well, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. Y'all remember that? And that was him exploding. That was literally us malfunctioning the system we literally we we literally came into the system with ideas that they weren't ready for and and that's just a drop in the bucket i could tell more stories like this but i'm not going to bore y'all with all these stories i've seen several examples even if you look at the reparations conversation look at the reparations conversation politicians are now talking about reparations unlike any time ever before a decade ago julianne malvo interview Barack Obama. And Julianne is a PhD in economics from MIT. And she's also in the elite boule circles. But Julianne talks to people like me. So Julianne is a person who loves the community in the best way that she knows how. So Julianne gets Barack Obama in an interview. He's thinking that it's safe. These are the safe Negroes I can talk to. Julianne asked him about reparations. Barack Obama ended the interview immediately. He said, who, who gave permission? This was not, nobody told me I would be asked about this. He got right up and walked right out. So that was a decade ago. Now, a decade later, Corey Bush, Representative Corey Bush, was speaking about a $97 trillion reparations plan. We ain't gonna get $97 trillion. That's not going to happen. So just be clear, that's not going to occur. But I said, oh my Lord.
they're going, they're talking about numbers bigger than the numbers I'm talking about. They're making me look like an Uncle Tom now. This is so beautiful that the conversation has advanced that far. And so this is what I'm excited about. This is what makes me so optimistic about what we're going to do long term. And I'm going to tell you like this, since we were talking about masculinity and black men taking responsibility, uh, we know black women played a big part in this for sure. But part of what has moved America politically in the past decade, part of what has moved our families back together in the last decade, part of what has moved our wealth forward in the B1 space in the last decade is largely driven by black men re-embracing our purpose re-embracing our masculinity, getting back to what our grandfathers did, setting goals, fighting battles, waking up every day so we can be a little bit smarter, a little bit tougher, sticking to the things that we want to do, taking accountability for things. See, y'all got y'all need to clap for these men. Seriously, let's let's give a digital round of applause for the men that are standing up and, and basically saying, we're here. We're going to be heard. This is our community. We know the women played a big role. Black women, y'all killing it. We and we love y'all for that. I support that 100%. But I really hope that we can take a moment and just say thank you and congratulations and you go, black man, for, for the men that are really stepping up and doing things at an epic level that has made 2023 one of the best years in the black community since 1953. This is one of the greatest years in our community since before integration. I hear the talk. I go around the world. Every single city I go to, I bump into y'all on the street. You, Every single one of you that I meet, I kid you not, I saw a black man in Hawaii. <laughs> I was asking for directions, and I asked the brother for directions in Hawaii, and he said, he said you're the flashcard guy. I said, yeah, we because we have financial flashcards for kids in the black business school to teach them wealth at an early age. And, but anyway... He, this guy was doing these amazing things. He was showing me his son and, and, and all the things his son can do financially. I said, you're a genius, man. I love you for doing this because you don't understand. You don't see what I see. You don't see what I see. You don't see your son at the age of 45 running a $100 million company. You don't see him getting a Lifetime Achievement Award and thanking his father for buying him financial flashcards at the age of six. You don't see him being able to come through for his wife and kids in a way that keeps them safe and protected and well-established. You're not, you, you maybe don't see this yet. I think you see something, obviously, because you're doing this and I love it, but I, I got I got excited. When y'all tell me your stories, I get excited because I say, yes, it's working. Because here's what I believe. I believe the black man can be and should be the smartest man in the room. I believe that the black man can be and should be the strongest and most focused individual in the room. I, I believe the black man can be and should be the leader of the world. And, and that's what we're creating. That's what you're doing right now. And so, so when everyone talks about black men taking accountability for whatever they think we need to take accountability from, uh, I encourage you, rather than complaining or arguing or fighting about whether or not Umar was right or not, I would encourage you to understand that all of them are right. All of them are right. The, the, the young guys that, that Umar spoke with about, uh, about taking accountability for what's going on with black women and black children, uh, they're right. The world is against you. You ain't got no damn friends. Part of a big chunk of my career has been spent reminding, convincing black people that you have no true allies. 
I had to spend the first five years of doing this convincing black people that you ain't got no damn allies. So, so yes, the world is against you. If you think there are conspiracies against you, absolutely. On my Instagram, my Instagram is the Real Boys Watkins. I put up several uh, clips of an interview with a black FBI agent who explained in extreme detail the measures that the CIA and FBI go to to make sure that when they see a rise in black masculinity or any rise in black leadership or any form of black progress or any sustainable black movement, they do everything they can to undermine, sabotage, infiltrate, and destroy. Yes, yes, you are in a football game and the defense is doing everything they can to make sure that you don't move the ball down the field. They're doing everything that is in their power to make sure that you can't run the ball. They're doing everything in their power to stop you every chance they get. So, so, so get it out of your damn head that you are in a football game where they're going to they let you waltz into the end zone. They're going to tackle you every chance they get. But given that you understand that, I need you to go to the other side of the table and, and, and say this. There was a great basketball coach at the University of Louisville 20 years ago, 30 years ago, named Wade Houston. And Wade Houston uh, coached the Louisville Cardinals back when I was a little boy growing up in Louisville. And they had a, they had a badass basketball team back then. They were so good. And um, they, were, they were trying to win an NCAA championship. And, uh, and they were about to play the number one ranked team in the country, which happened to be North Carolina. And, and North Carolina had all these superstars. You know, Michael Jordan came out of Carolina. A lot, a lot of great players came out of Carolina. And they, and they were asking Wade, what are you going to do about this when Carolina does that? Or what about Carolina's offense? What are you going to do about their big man? What are you going to do about their defense? How are you going to get past this and get past that? How are you going to prepare for this and prepare for that? And you know what he said? He said, everybody keeps asking me how – we're going to prepare for North Carolina. Everybody keeps asking me that. He said, but what people are not asking is how is North Carolina going to prepare for us? He said, he said, because we have some great athletes on our team. We have some great shooters on our team. We have some big men on our team. We've got one of the best defenses in the country. We got one of the best offenses. So what are they going to do to prepare for us? So that's what I would say to black men. That's what I would say to black men. You do have opposition. You do have people that are fighting against you. You do have people that are going to do everything they can to stop you. And, 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 and what happens is sometimes you get so caught up in reacting to what they're doing to you. You say, well, what about when they do this? What about when they do that? What about how we're going to get ready for this? How are we going to stop them from doing that? I get all that. That's important. But that's the beginning of the conversation. The most important part of the conversation should be what are they going to do to try to stop us? I don't want you, I'm not going to spend my time reacting to what you're trying to do to me. No, I want you sitting back scared and shaking, wondering what in the fuck I'm going to do to you. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I want you sitting back wondering, man, this guy, he's coming so hard. He's always ready. He's always reading. He's always prepared. He's always coming with the energy. He ain't scared of nothing. I want you reacting to me. And in case you don't know, this is a, actually a poker move. I'm, I'm a really good poker player, by the way. I, I talk about it every now and then. But I've won tournaments with seven or 800 people. And I love poker because poker is a great game of strategy, psychology, and mathematics. Those are three things that I love. And so, so I, I, I've got, I, I'm a little bit of a poker aficionado, if you want to call it that. But, uh, but I don't like gambling, but I do like poker. And one of the things I learned about poker is that in order to win, 
you can't sit around and let people bully you. You can't constantly worry about your opponents. You can't constantly be afraid. You have to be the aggressor. You've got to be the one that they're worried about. You've got to have them reacting to you. You've got to have them backpedaling because you can't win a game when you're always playing defense. Just like you cannot play powernomics if you're always playing strugglenomics. If all you do is view yourself as somebody who's barely hanging on, and every time somebody sees you, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm making it, dog. I'm just, I'm trying to just, just trying to get by, trying to get by, man, just trying to make it. I get that, but there's another level to that where you got to go from just surviving to actually thriving. You got to go from playing defense to start playing offense. And here's where America and its feminization, its overcommitment to a feminized society harms the black man ir irreversibly. This is where they cut off your balls and feed them to you and replace your testicles with a vagina. Here's what they do. They get you in this victim mode where they say, oh, look, this black man got shot by the police. It could happen to any of you. Oh, man, these police is shooting us, man. This is so bad. I'm so scared to leave the house because I cry sometimes at night because I'm scared that the police is going to shoot me, blah, blah, blah. That's not how you succeed as a man in this world. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You cannot sit around and play survival nomics if you're ever planning to play power nomics. Do you get what I'm saying? You can acknowledge the threat. You can acknowledge what people are doing to you. But there's a point where you do have to take accountability for what you can take accountability for. You've got to stand up and fight. And I'm going to tell you like this, as much as the, the accountability conversation goes, I can tell you this. I've never met a white man who has ever stopped me from reading a book. I've never met a white man who barged into my house and stopped me from filling out the papers to form an LLC and start my own business. I've never in my life met a white man who told me that I could not take responsibility for my kids. Um, I've never met a white man who told me that I couldn't go to the gym and take care of my health. I've never met a white man who told me that I can't love my wife to the best of my ability. I just, I just don't know. Maybe those white men exist, but I've never seen that guy. So before you start counting all of the excuses and all the reasons that you don't have power, what I request or ask you to do is start by focusing on the things that are in your control. What is it that I can do to make my life better? What are the things I can do to make my family better? What are the things I can do to strengthen and elevate my community? If you just start the conversation there, we would be so much better off, so much better off. Our community would elevate unlike any other community. Just something as simple as wealth, just the economic piece. I mean, just starting with, because economics is damn near everything, honestly. That's like 80% of your issue. You know, white people have you enslaved because we, we never teach our kids how to start businesses and invest. If, they, if, we, if we did that, or, or leaving them inheritance and, and shit. I mean, seriously, I mean, you think about, if you just literally look at all the examples of men that die and don't even leave a life insurance policy for their kids, that right there probably costs black people a couple trillion in, in, in economic prosperity right there. Just getting that $20 a month insurance policy, right? So, so ultimately, there are little things we can do 
that will make tremendous progress in the state of our community. So I want you to start with the little things. Give me a yes if we can start with the little things so I can know that I accomplished something today and, and that I help make your life a little bit better. That is my goal. Every time I talk to you, my goal is to say, how can I help anybody listening be a little bit wealthier? Uh, how can I help them be a little bit smarter? How can I help you get a little bit happier in your life? Give me a yes if we can at least do that and, and then walk away as B1 Black First people who are going to take control of whatever we can control and do our best to contribute in a positive way. Like, for example, that power of masculinity, that power of your testosterone, Black man, is massive. A Black man, through his divine masculinity, has the inherent innate ability to either improve the lives of people around him or to destroy the lives of people around him. He has the ability to make people feel safe and protected, or he has the ability to make others feel threatened and terrorized. There are so many countless families out here that have horrible stories to tell about how they were terrorized and destroyed and traumatized by some man. There, there's a million stories like that. And we can't pretend like those stories don't exist. So what I'm trying to ask you to do is look at your damn story. What story are people going to tell at your funeral, black man? When you die and they got your picture next to the piano player and you're in that casket and people are there, are they going to say to themselves, my life was better because this man was in it? Or are they going to say, this guy was such an asshole that I'm glad he's dead. This guy created more problems than he solved. This guy made things worse than they were before he arrived. You do not want that to be your legacy. You do not want that. So what's it going to be? Make a choice. The power is yours, whether you want it or not. That's what I'm asking you to consider. I appreciate y'all for listening to this. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. My website is boycewatkins.com. I have a new book called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. I have another series that's on, also on Amazon called um, Black American Money. Feel free to take a look at that. Uh, I speak in different places periodically. I'm going to be speaking in Seattle on July 8th. Boycewatkins.com is where you can go to get information there. Also, uh, don't forget the All Black National Conventions happening October 20th in Atlanta. Uh, that's allblacknationalconvention.com. Uh, last but not least, we have a new film coming out. We are making movies. Uh, we have a new movie uh, coming out called B1 the Movie. Rick Mathis is the director because we believe that black people should control the movie industry. So while I cannot make a Hollywood blockbuster for $10 million, we can make a nice movie for $50,000 that features all of the intelligent people in our community. That movie comes out this summer. We're going to do a premiere at the Black House in Atlanta, uh, I want to say in August. I'll let you guys know about that premiere so you can come by. So shout out to the Black House for hosting the, the world premiere of this new film. I hope that everyone will come out. So anyway, I'm out of here, guys. Bless you. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. Don't forget this podcast is on Spotify. Uh, just look up my name and you can listen there. I hope this conversation helped you. And if you don't agree with me, that's okay too. Let's just agree to disagree. And I hope that we can at least listen to each other uh, because that's how we get smarter. So I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. See you soon. Peace.